You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Nineheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Welcome. This is Jackie Nineheis, and I'm here with Brooke, and we are looking at food and eating and dieting and kind of pushing back on the culture against against what we see in the mainstream, and we're looking at it from a biblical perspective. One of the really hard parts about food and dieting and talking about eating less is the more you talk about eating less the more we have a tendency to think about food. So we thought we'd have a really practical application talk this morning um, about how do you think less about food? And while we're, we have listeners from all over that are really interested in this and wanna hear about this, I also wanna learn about it because I think that there are times in my life where all I do is think about food. But then I realize that there's other times when I don't even think about food and my weight does so much better. So Brooke, you're kind of an expert in this area of um, intuitive eating or um, just kind of listening to your body cues. How do you help people learn about thinking less about food? One of the main drivers behind us thinking about food or obsessing about food uh, is usually comes from some kind of restriction. So if we look at the research, so one really good example of this is the Minnesota starvation study. And I'm not sure if we've ever mentioned it before, but I'll just give a little explanation. They took this, was, this happened back, I think it was in the 1920s or 30s. Uh, they took a bunch of healthy young men and they put them on, uh, it's called a semi-starvation diet. But what they did was they gave them 1600 calories a day uh, for, I think it was a period of about six months. And then they monitored them to see how they would do. And the interesting thing that came out of this study was um, not only did these, you know, men lose a bunch of weight, uh, but they became really obsessed with food. They started collecting recipes and reading about food and talking about food all the time. So what that shows is that anytime we don't get enough to eat, so whether we're on a diet and purposely restricting, or, you know, there just isn't food available, uh, our brain, uh, subconsciously, uh, starts thinking about food. That's our body's way of telling us that we need to eat more. Our brain is going to start thinking about food and putting that in our mind so that it increases our appetite so that we're more likely to eat it. And so I think one of the biggest drivers behind thinking about food all the time or obsessing about food is restriction. And so if anyone is struggling with that, they feel like they're just thinking about food all the time. I would look at your your diet or your behaviors and see like, are you eating enough? Because if you're not, you're gonna be thinking about food. That's, that's your body's way of responding to that. And so I think one thing a lot of people do 
that I see people do, uh, especially is they want to, you know, they want to eat healthier, right? They want to, whether they want to lose weight or whatever, they start the day out eating a, you know, maybe they have a smoothie for breakfast. They'll have a salad for lunch by four or five o'clock in the afternoon. They're eating everything in sight, right? Because when we don't feed our body enough, our brain stimulates our body to increase uh, that appetite hormone, which makes us think about food, which then makes us overeat. And, and that's kind of the, the cascade that starts. And so when it comes to, you know, having obsessive thoughts, that is the first thing I would do is just make sure that you're eating enough. If you're not eating enough, your biology is going to drive you to think about food more. That is super interesting. And it, it kind of um, segues into another thought that I have. And one of the problems we see that is, is just a huge problem in our society and across the world is what we call the double burden of obesity and food insecurity. And you wonder how can those two exist together and so closely? For instance, people with in a lower socioeconomic status often have higher um, obesity rates. And those are the people that also have a higher incidence of food insecurity. So if they have had times where they haven't been positive or sure or confident that food was going to be available, it would give them obsessive thoughts about food and, and those kind of things. So it fits in exactly with what you're talking about. And what's interesting about that study is that the people were on 1600 calories. Now, when, when people suggest restriction diets, like high protein carb, low carb diets, um, all these different diets, they go much lower than that sometimes. So we're talking about a really serious problem and being obsessive of as the diet goes on. Mm -hmm. And we do know that people gain weight back after they're off of a diet. And we don't exactly know all the different things that cause that, but I'm sure what you're talking about is one of the big ones. And I'm sure there's others that go along with that. But just think about it. Think about how hard it is after restricting a diet to maintain that. Right. Yeah. There's, there's that biological aspect of it. There's the psychological aspect of it. Um, <clears throat> we know that there's, there's metabolism changes, you know, that are going to play a big role in that. And so that's why restriction is never the answer. Um, it's just, it's just, it's kind of doomed to fail. Right. Um, you know, yeah. in the thousands of people that I have counseled um, with weight, it's, it's really interesting to look at the ones who lose weight because of those people, some of them do not lose weight, but there is a large amount of people who will lose weight. And when you ask them, everybody, not just the ones that lose weight, but ask them their weight history and to document what they were going through, what their, their lifestyle and their mental health and things like that. What were they going through when they lost weight? So often they were in love. 
they had a new exciting thing happen in their life or you know some kind of thing like this um happened and they found it very easy at that time to lose weight but as soon as they got hit with maybe a little bit of a roadblock like things got a little harder at work or things got a little harder in the relationship or um when kids come along and that's a little bit of a stressor then they gained it back and so i think about those times where we have a change in life and it's easy for people to kind of live, eat intuitively basically and be able to lose weight and i think that maybe a small part of it might be something has taken the place of the obsessive thoughts of food you know so so it fits in with what we're talking about because all of a sudden you have other things that are producing endorphins in in the brain and um increasing happiness because of whatever the situation is and so that can take the place of thoughts constant thoughts of food and the people who maintain their weight throughout life when you talk to them unless they have an eating disorder but if if they're just a normal intuitive eater they'll say you know they don't think a lot about food they just realize oh you know i i need to eat something it's it's uh you know i'm a little bit hungry i i need this and they need it to fuel their bodies and so and as you were talking about restricting food i was thinking okay why would i have been in a situation where i was thinking about food all the time i was a um a three sport athlete in college and we ran and worked out at an incredible amount and times in my life when i work out a lot then i'm thinking about food a lot so even good things like exercise can be a form of restriction and you know whether it's it's a good kind of exercise because you have a goal of a a marathon a triathlon uh, some other event or if it's a really negative thing where you're uh using exercise as a type of purging that can give you ex excessive thoughts of of food because it's just like in the study they restricted their calories to 1600 calories which might be somewhere around maybe 700 800 900 calories below what their bodies needed well when you're working out and working out really hard it wouldn't be hard to um be low in calories so your body is feeling the same thing right and i wouldn't view that as a form of restriction unless you're doing it on purpose but you're just it's this understanding that when you're active physically active your body needs more calories than it would on a day when you're not active so if you're going to practice or games and yes you're expending a ton of energy you just need to eat more that's your body saying i need more fuel because i'm not getting enough yeah so I, i probably misspoke there i shouldn't have probably used that word restriction but right. what i meant was our bodies can't tell the difference when we're right. purposely restricting and when we're restricting um it could be you know you could be lacking calories because right. of illness because of excessive binging purging by um eating disorders by excessive exercise you know a lot right. of these things and it yeah. doesn't to always be negative either it right. could be or it might not be 
Right. Yeah. It's just anytime your body isn't getting enough. If it isn't getting what it needs, um, you're going to think a lot more about food and that's completely normal. So I would say if someone is struggling with that, that's the first step is I would check to see, am I eating enough? <laughs> um, and then, cause I think once you get to the point where you're eating enough, those thoughts and those, uh, you know, I guess if, if they are obsessive thoughts, they should go away or they should go down anyway. They shouldn't increase. So, and you know, I have, um, counseled with people who have had real food insecurity because there wasn't enough food available in their lives at different times. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to watch them go through a buffet line as they take food, they take way more than they can eat. And you think of going through a buffet, filling up your plate really full. And then I saw a person at the end of the buffet, they grabbed six cookies and added that to their plate. And those six cookies, I know the person and they bake really well. They're a beautiful, wonderful cook. And those cookies weren't even very good cookies. It wasn't like this amazing food that they wanted because they weren't even as good of cookies as what they would find at home. Right. And so there was something else at play there, why they grabbed so much food and then six cookies on top of it. But I did recognize, and as I talked with them, they had experienced real food insecurity. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, and I would say it, it manifests itself in, you could, you could call that like a last supper mentality. So when people aren't sure, you know, when their next meal is going to be, or if food's going to be available, um, they're going to take full advantage of whatever is available at that moment because, because of that insecurity. Now, even if she's currently not experiencing food insecurity, if she grew up with that and has a history of it, that could just be like a, a tendency or a habit that she kind of falls back into because, because she doesn't feel like she knows, you know, when that next meal is coming. Um, I know I had a client one time who, who grew up with food insecurity. Uh, their meals were very, very portioned because they were a poor family and they didn't always get enough to eat. Um, she was deathly afraid of feeling hungry because she had such horrible, uh, experiences as a child with hunger and never feeling like she got enough that she was scared to death of feeling hungry. So she ate basically all the time because she never wanted to feel hungry. And so those experiences do play a role, um, in our eating habits as we grow up. Some of them stick with us, uh, if we don't deal with them, you know, but they're going to come up, um, and, and show themselves in, in areas like that, like at a buffet, like, why is this person doing this? Maybe she hasn't struggled with food insecurity for 10 or 15 or 30 years, who knows? Uh, but it could show up in ways like that because of uh, her experiences uh, when she was growing up. You know, another thing about um, food insecurity, it's always interesting to look at the family dynamics if, if, uh, if, or if they do or do not sit down at a family meal. And if they sit down at a family meal, as kids, there might be plenty of family of me, of food available for the family and um, food is readily available, but it's restricted. Maybe the parents fear their kids being overweight. And mm -hmm. for some reason, babies at a really, really young age, they can tell 
whether food is being restricted from them or food is being pushed on them. And both of those kind of dynamics affect how we feel about food later in life. Um, food insecurity can come to a person whose parents portioned out their food in small amounts, not because they didn't have enough food, but because the family, whoever was serving the food had a little bit fear of, of uh, weight issues. Right, yep, exactly. Um, one of the other things I think that can drive people to think too much about food is just being unhappy with their body. And so I think body image is a huge driver behind it as well. Because if we were satisfied with our bodies, we wouldn't be trying to change it and make it smaller and therefore result in restricting. So I really do feel like in our culture and in our society today, this huge focus on our external appearance, on you know, lean, fit bodies, um, the constant advertising on social media, I think it drives a lot of people to then restrict, which then again leads to this obsessive thoughts about food. And so. And then the obsessive thoughts about food lead to overeating. So right. that, is, that yep. is one way that dieting definitely causes us to overeat. And mm -hmm. it's pretty much um, proven and we see it over and over again when people restrict food even if they lose some weight, they often gain it back with additional pounds. And the sad thing is, is that they're losing weight so rapidly that they're losing muscle mass. And when they gain it back, they gain it back as increased fat mass. So the percentage of body lean weight is, is you know, not the same proportion or as healthy of a proportion as it was before they started dieting. So not only do they have a few more pounds, but those few pounds are not really what we want to add to our frame. So if we want to think less about food, we need to think less about our bodies. Uh, and that's really hard. It is really hard in today's society. Um, but that's where we almost have to like overcome this, um, like, earthly secular mentality and keep our minds um, like focused on heavenly matters. Oh, I like, um, that. you know, yeah. like I just, that, that verse in Colossians set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It is something that I'm constantly repeating in my head all the time. Uh, when it comes to our bodies and when it comes to food and stuff like this, like if, if you are so upset or struggling with your body and your body image that you're just going from one diet to another and you've done that your whole life and you're just you know exhausted <laughs> like put your mind on Jesus like let's let's put our mind on the things that matter in this world because our bodies don't matter that much they really don't um take care of them yes but the size and the shape and the look of them doesn't matter and we're not going to get to take them with us when we go and so I think that's, that's one thing that I try to drive, you know, into people. And I know it's hard. It takes a really intentional change in your thought process and your mindset. Um, but yeah, just try to try to think about things from an eternal perspective and it's going to shift the way you see your body and it's going to shift the way you think about food and food is just going to become one of those things that you eat and you, 
you know, like you said, that we just, when we get hungry, we just eat um, and we eat what's available. And yes, we can make wise decisions when we, when we make those choices um, on how we care for our body, but it doesn't have to be this all encompassing, uh, you know, thing in our life that just takes so much time and energy uh, and, and controls our thoughts, you know, because again, it, it doesn't matter. Like, this is not one of those things that Jesus set us out to do. This is not part of the great commission. It's not to look a certain way. It's not to impress other people by the way that our body looks. And so, you know, he called us to go out and preach the gospel. So let's, if we can fill our mind and our focus and our attention on those kind of things, I think food's going to get pushed to the back burner automatically, right? But when we keep food and our bodies and all of this like physical stuff at the forefront of our mind, uh, it's it's going to become the most important and it's going to take up the most uh, of our, you know, mental mental space. So I think that's really important as well. I just love that idea of um, keeping our minds on those things that are above. I also think of the verse of, of renewing our minds. And so when you talk about having a verse that you say over and over again, I mean, that's like renewing our minds. And um, I think that something I want to do is I, I want to pick out a new verse, like say maybe every month or periodically. And I want to memorize that verse because that will help me with the renewing of my mind. That's going to help me keep in the forefront. So I like your suggestion of, of taking a verse that in your mind you can go to. Whenever your mind is not on those things that are above, you can automatically just pull up that verse out of your memory and play it for yourself. Right. Let's see, if we're, if we're thinking of like a practical way for someone to do this, you know, I would look back at your, you know, if any of you did set your New Year's resolutions or goals for this year, or if you have, you know, regular goals that maybe aren't specific to the new year, um, if, if your physical health and food and exercise and all of that is, you know, your top priority, I would maybe see if you can tweak that and put it lower on your list. Because I think if we keep it at the top of our list, it's always going to be there. It's going to be this constant reminder. It's going to be something that we're constantly striving for. Um, but if we can put some other things, make other things a priority, um, whether that is, you know, your relationship with God or your, um, your, your family or whatever it is, uh, but something that has a little more, I don't know, eternal value <laughs> in it, um, you know, maybe you'll find that you're, you're going to be less focused on the food. So you could, you know, look at, look at your goals and what you value, what's important in your life. You can even make a list. Like what are the top 10 things that are important to me and see where food and your body falls in there. Um, I don't think it has to be the last thing on your list, but I don't think it should be the first. So that would be something you could do as well. I like that idea. You know, so often we say, God's first in my, in my life, my family's second and like that. But what yep. does it really mean to put God first? And I am sure that I've said that many times that I want to put God first in my life, but I'm not sure that that's always the way it is. And these are really good ideas of how to keep it so that God is first in my life. And 
we're not putting God first in our lives so that we don't have obsessive thoughts about food. We're putting God first in our lives because that's what God tells us to do. That's what is our biblical mandate. Well, there's right. lots of good consequences from it. There's lots of good things that stem out of it. Once One is the peace that passes all understanding. Another thing is a deeper relationship, a deeper walk with, with uh, God. Another is being able to listen to the Holy Spirit and the prodding and the direction he wants us to go. Well, another one might be getting rid of some of those obsessive thoughts about things like maybe whether it's food, whether it's um, drinking, whether it's other things like that. So I really like that idea of, you know, putting it a little bit down on the list and finding ways to remind ourselves that is not the top priority. Because if we get our priorities right, you know, we're going to feel better. I think so often that when we are anxious, when we have anxiety issues, food becomes obsessive. So if we have the peace that passes understanding, that's got to help a little bit. That's got to help a little bit with, with getting rid of and pushing away some of those obsessive thoughts. Well, and the Bible says that, um, you know, God changes or he gives us the desires of our hearts, right? He doesn't, he doesn't give us everything that we want, but when we are in right relationship with him, he changes our desires to be in line with him and with his will. And so, um, that's why it's so important. And like you said, Jackie, I'm, I am not perfect. There are so many times where I, I am not, <laughs> God is not the first thing in my life. Um, I get into ruts and into bad habits too, where, um, you know, I struggle, um, with my, my quiet time or my prayer life or something. And I'm constantly having to be really intentional about getting back into it. And so, um, none of us are perfect. None of, none of us have, have that perfect relationship with him and are always going to have him first. But I think it's something we all need to continue to strive for. It's not something to give up on because that, that is really our purpose in this life is, um, he created us to, to worship him and to honor him and to glorify him. And if we're not doing that, we're always going to be searching, I think, for something to fill that void. Right. Um, and whether that is that the food and our bodies and that physical, um, that physical thing that the secular, the secular world, you know, encourages us to go after is this, you know, perfect, happy, healthy life. Well, I think we're still going to come up disappointed in the end, right? If, if God is not at the center of that. So I don't know what exactly all happens when someone falls in love that they just, you know, don't have the same obsessive thoughts of food. They don't have the same um, drive to just eat, eat, eat. Um, but what if we fell in love with God? And even as Christians, our walks can be a little bit up and down. And, and what if we fell in love with God and our thoughts were on him and our um, countenance was the way he would have it be. And we're more like Jesus in, in our daily walk. Um, those kind of things might be very similar to why people lose weight when they're in love. Well, of course it is because you're thinking about that person and you're not thinking about food or yourself usually is how that happens. Um, 
yeah, I think anytime we can get our minds off of and our thoughts off of ourselves, you know, whether it's our physical body or just like our own wants and needs or whatever, I think anytime that we can put someone else's, uh, you know, needs uh, before our own, I think that's biblical. You know, we're called to to lay down our lives for our friends, and we're called to put other people above our own um, or above ourselves. And so, I think. Um, yeah, that really goes against the culture, this culture that we live in that says that, you know, you got to put yourself first and that you're most important and all of this self-love stuff um, is really antithetical to what the Bible says. We, we are really supposed to put everyone else's needs ahead of our own. And, I, you know, typically in that, um, in a loving relationship, in a healthy loving relationship, that's what you're doing is you're putting the other person's needs before your own and it results in that I think it just, it takes, it takes your mind off yourself. And so you're not thinking about your food and your body and everything else. And so that helps. That, that's interesting because I also think about the culture we're going through right now with uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. It kind of keeps everybody separated. You know, you got a social distance, you have a mask that puts a little bit of a barrier between people. Um, even families maybe can't get together for holidays because there's some COVID issue wherever. So I think COVID has kind of kept us apart and kind of has given our culture today an attitude of me first, taking care of me and worrying about me. People have a lot of anxiety about it. They have a lot of fear about it. Well, the Bible tells us so many times, fear not, I am with you. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is a really good time to really think about putting others first. And here again, we're not putting others first so we don't have obsessive thoughts about food. We're putting other people first because that's God's, God's mandate. And we talk about all these other mandates like masks and vaccines and things like that. You know, we can push back on that culture just a little bit and say, wait a minute, God's mandate is something very different. And he says to put others first. So if right. I could do that in my life, the consequences are going to be great. The blessings are going to be incredible. I just know they are. And one of those things would be peace. Um, there's just lots of reasons to push back on the culture there. Right. Uh, I was thinking of one other thing that can help to overcome obsessive thoughts about food. And I think if, because I think one thing that people struggle with is, okay, they want to make better choices. They want to find a way to take care of their body better. Uh, but if we're telling them to not think about food and to put it on the back burner, how do you balance that? You know, I think one way that people can do it. And this is something that I help my clients with often is um, to do some meal planning. Because what that does is it gives you the opportunity, you know, whether it's once a week or twice a week or however, however you do it, but it, it allows you to make kind of a, a plan for the week to write down what you, what you want to plan your meals, just to make sure that you're getting some balance and variety in there. Um, and then it's done right? Like you just write it down and it's done. And then you really don't have to think about what you're going to eat the rest of the week because you have a plan in place. And all you have to do is look at it, know what to make or pack or prepare. And it's done where I think if people don't make a plan, 
you know, three or four times a day, they're going to panic and be like, oh no, what am I going to eat? Where, you know, and then you're searching for something to eat or you're going to the, the fastest, easiest, most convenient thing, um, or you're skipping a meal because you don't have anything and you didn't prepare, which then of course leads to that restrictive type mentality, which then is going to cause you to maybe overeat later. And so I think having a plan can be one of those really practical things to help you not to think about food all the time and obsess about it. Just write it down, takes the stress, takes the um, impulsivity out of it. And then you can just um, live and have a, have a plan there so that you are still making those wise choices and um, maybe trying to improve your health that way. I think that there is no magic in home cooking, but I do think that it's very hard when we eat out to not have excessive amounts of food, particularly when the restaurant serves large portions or we're used to eating um, like the entire pizza or we're used to eating all of the fries and all of the um, fried food, et cetera. So having a meal plan or in addition to that, having maybe some soups that you've made extra of and having those in the freezer, it gives you assurance. Hey, I've got supper covered. I've got dinner covered. I've got my right. lunch for this week covered. Right. Yep. I think thinking ahead and just being intentional with that, it can be very helpful. So. Okay. Being intentional. I love that word. You use that a lot. I do. Correct. And it is a really good word when you think of not being obsessive about food. We want to be intentional of what we're thinking about. We want to catch ourselves when we're thinking about food and we want like a renewing of our mind and, and to put other things in it. So if we were going to recap some really practical applications of how not to be thinking obsessively about food, the first one we talked about is check if you're restricting food. Right. So make sure you're eating enough. Are you eating enough? You're going to know that by your hunger and fullness. You're also going to know that if you find out that there's certain parts of the day where you tend to overeat, you likely didn't eat enough at that meal prior, or you maybe skipped a snack or something like that. So those would be some ways that you could evaluate that. And then secondly, is to put food and um, exercise down on your list a little bit. Mm -hmm. And add to the top of the list is, is keeping your mind on those things above, um, keeping God first in your life, using a verse to renew your mind. Mm -hmm. Those were all good things that you had suggested, Brooke. Yep. And then if body image um, is really the driver behind it, do some work, do some work with the body image, uh, really work on acceptance and contentment with that. Um, because if you can come to a place of that, it's not going to drive you to diet and want to restrict all the time. So that would be the other thing. And then meal planning. That was a really yep. good, a good idea is yep. to um, plan ahead. So we don't have to even worry that uh, where our next meal is coming from. We know what we're going to have. Exactly. Yeah. So I hope this was helpful for our listeners. And no, if you have any questions for me, it was helpful for me. I oh, love good. <laughs> these ideas. So good. Yes, we, we always learn from each other too. So it's good for, it's good for us to have these conversations. But uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions, please uh, reach out to us. You know how to find us. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.
Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.